it's great to be back with Living Truth Podcast. And this is a special little podcast that we're going to be doing today. I've got Daniel Hall here with me. Say hi, Daniel. Yeah, great to have you. And we're still kind of in transition as far as getting our podcasting booth going here out at the church building. And so we're doing this kind of in the little area right next to the kitchen. But I think it will work. And this is also just kind of a special podcast I'm doing as an offshoot of the sermon I did on Sunday on Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 25, where I was talking about doing hard things, but I didn't have a chance to get into the rest of the passage that talks about a man by the name of Simon. So we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to be talking about why is it that there's a separation between the time where people receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon people in the book of Acts. There's no separation today, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but in the book of Acts there is, so we'll ask the question, what's going on there? Why is this happening? Then we're also going to look a little bit, hopefully we'll have time to look at Simon a little bit, and just some of the things he did that I didn't have time to dig into in the passage The first question that I want to ask is, and I'll answer it, uh, why is this important? Is this just something we're just doing academically? And at least one reason why this is important is there are people who will tell you that you need a second experience of the Holy Spirit, that you need to speak in tongues or that you need to have some kind of an experience beyond your initial salvation. And there's some passages in the Bible that are a little more difficult to interpret. And so sometimes people will take those passages in directions that we wouldn't expect. And then people apply those passages in ways that are confusing. And then, like I say, they might come to you and say, well, you don't have all of the Holy Spirit. You don't have the full gospel. You don't have everything that you need. And I hope what you'll understand as we go through some of this study is that you have everything you need to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, Daniel? That's right. And to answer your question, too, to say why is this important, to add to that, you know, it's important because this is what Jesus went through. I mean, Mark 1.10 tells us that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus mm. like a dove. Yeah. You know, so therefore, I mean, he was baptized in water that same day, um, but then moments later was baptized by the Holy Spirit. So I do think it's important for sure. For sure. In fact, first time in the New Testament is that passage. I'll quote from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, where it says the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And he says... I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so Jesus, or John the Baptist, is talking here about the ministry that Jesus has. And he talks about both a baptism of the Holy Spirit and a baptism of fire. I don't think those are the same things. I think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the experience that we have with the Holy Spirit. I think the baptism of fire 
refers more to the judgment that is coming in the end times. Mm. And we don't have a lot of time to get into that either. But just to know that I think these are two separate things that are being talked about there. Right, and even in the book of Acts itself, in the first chapter, Jesus specifically tells the disciples that they're going to be, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them, which exactly. you can interpret as a, as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So. Yep, Acts 1, verses 5 for the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 2, we call it the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came. There were visible signs that accompanied the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 2, a loud wind. Verse 3, tongues of fire. Verse 4, they spoke in foreign languages so that the crowd of immigrants that were there would understand the gospel in their own language, in their own experiences, and they were amazed that these simple men from Galilee would speak the languages of the Parthians, the Medes, the Mesopotamians, Elamites, every language group that was gathered there. So there are other manifestations of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And I read one scholar who said these other manifestations in Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19 he calls, this is M.R. Dehan, he calls these three additional mini-Pentecosts. So we had the first Pentecost experience that took place there in Jerusalem. And then I think what Dehan is saying is that a similar kind of thing takes place again in the book of Acts. And what we'll note if you study the book of Acts is that each time... People have this happen in the book of Acts. It's for a new group of people. In Acts 8, it's the Samaritans. Acts 10, it's people who are not Jewish people. People who are Gentiles who came to believe. And then in Acts 19, it's followers of John the Baptist, Baptist who are also added to the church. And so... We can ask the question this way, why was there this delay between people responding to Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or why did we have these mini Pentecosts? Here's why. Jesus said, you'll receive power in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so that's what's happening in the book of Acts is to show the coming of the Holy Spirit on each of these different groups. Just as Jesus said would happen, there's a delay that takes place. And there's an outward manifestation that the apostles can see, oh, the gospel is not just for the Jewish people. It's for the Samaritans, it's for the Gentiles, it's for the followers of John the Baptist. But for us non-Jewish people, also known as Gentiles in the Bible, then is it the same case or is it different today? Yeah, and that's kind of the crux of the question. So one of the things we have to do when we come to the book of Acts, and we were just talking a little, little bit about context and uh, I think yesterday we were talking a little bit about it in terms of Bible interpretation. When we come to the book of Acts, we have to think about the context of the whole book. 
the work of the beliefs that we have, the ways we live is delineated. So there's a transition between Old Testament, New Testament, and so there's a transition in terms of the events that take place that are not necessarily to be repeated. The disciples waited for the day of Pentecost to come because they were in a transition period. Mm -hmm. These other people, like in Acts 8, with uh, the Samaritans, where it says in Acts 8, verse 14, 15, 16, says when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why did they send Peter and John? Because they were apostles. To confirm that this work had taken place among the Samaritans. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them that received the Holy Spirit. So yeah, there's a delay here, mm -hmm. but it was to show the, the Samaritans are being included in the church. And it was something unique. It was something transitional. Kind of like if you start an air conditioner, you can turn the air conditioner on, but it doesn't really start getting cold for a little while. The motor and the fan will run, uh, the machine's working, but the machine does not put out cool air for a little while. And so during the transitional time between Old Testament, Gospels, up until what we would call the church age that we are living in, there's this transition in which, uh, if I can put it this way, it took a little while for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to kick in and for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to become what it is today, where today it's a simultaneous event in which we receive the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and there's no lag between what we would call regeneration, being born again, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's it's really good, too, if you if you continue on in the next verse, it starts talking again about uh, you know Simon the sorcerer, and then God actually used this moment to disprove him or devalue his following, basically, um, because yes. there was he was growing in a following, right? And so it's it's almost funny to the end that that um, Simon offered them money to give him the Holy Spirit, and it didn't work because you can't buy the Holy Spirit with money. Exactly. Um, if and, you were there on Sunday or heard uh, the message that I shared, we talked a little bit about how Simon had attracted a following, had been doing some kind of miraculous gifts or some kind of magic or something, and people were just following him. And now he sees this ministry of the Holy Spirit, and like you said, Daniel, he wants to buy it. Right, and I don't know if it actually says, um, but it is possible to that this actually could have led to the saving of Simon the Sorcerer as well because they told him to repent, but I don't believe that it actually says that he did repent. Um, it just, you know, towards the uh, end of that section in 25 or in 24, he just, at, you know, said, pray for me because I don't want any of these bad things you've said to come upon me. Um, but it is possible that yeah. it led to his saving. We just don't know. Yes. It says, uh, Simon saw, in verse 18, Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so anyone on whom I may lay hands may receive the Spirit. Peter said to him, he's pretty direct here, mm -hmm. May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God 
with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Something kind of sad and funny is basically says, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Basically, I mean, mean, yeah. that's, That's the wording that is used here and so like you said he tells him repent of this wickedness and pray to the lord and he'll forgive you and so simon does respond in a way that we would say well there's some awareness of what he's done is wrong pray for me that nothing of what you said may have come upon me so i mean there is this question was he a genuine believer or not and we don't have a precise answer to that. We'd say, if he was a believer, then this call to repent is severe, and he needs to be in alignment with what God wants him to do. If he's not a believer, then the challenge is good, too, uh, to repent, which really is an application for us in our day as well. There are times where we can't really tell whether a person is a follower of Jesus or not, But in some ways, the call to follow Jesus, to turn to Jesus, is similar in that we turn from self, we turn from sin, we turn to Jesus, and we follow him. And that's true for a non-believer. It's true for us, in a sense, on a daily basis as we preach the gospel to ourselves. We don't have to work to earn God's favor we receive forgiveness, we receive the gift of God's grace, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and we live in it. And and that's what Simon needed to do. It's what we need to do. Well, but here's a question for you then. So if that's what we need to do, and I completely agree with that, then what exactly does it look like to live in the Holy Spirit, to abide by the Holy Spirit, some people say? Um, what exactly does that look like, and why is it important? Why is it necessary? Yeah, great question. Well, you know, you go over to um, Ephesians 5, 18, and it contrasts getting drunk with the power of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. It says in the beginning part there, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the questions that we would ask is, why is that the analogy that's used? Why is that the comparison? And so I think a part of the answer here is asking the question that I asked two or three weeks ago when I was preaching, that is the question, what are you filled with? Mm. And every day asking myself, I'm addressing myself, um, what am I filling my day with, my night with, my time among people with, my time alone with, what are the thoughts I'm filling it with, what are the passions I'm filling it with. And so I'm not sure we're going directly in answer to your question, but my point being that the reason why it's important is because what we're filled with is what we live out. Mm -hmm. And if we're not submitting to the Holy Spirit, if we're not responding to the Holy Spirit and to God's word and God's truth, and God's power, then then we're going to be filled with something else. And we're going to be controlled by something else. Like I say in Ephesians 5.18, it's talking about being controlled by wine, by that fruit in their life. Or 
this person needs this person needs encouragement because they're living out the life that Jesus has for them and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And certainly our outward actions, our words, and what comes out of us is really important. What we do is really important. But it begins from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And so that's why that heart work needs to take place and why that submitting to God and to the Holy Spirit needs to take place. And like I say, if somebody challenges you that you don't have the Holy Spirit, that's wrong. Because if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all mm. baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. Amen. And if you do a little bit of study on the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and you know anything about the church in Corinth, you discover there were people that were all different kinds of maturity levels, dealing with all kinds of issues. But if they were a genuine believer, this passage says you're part of the body of Christ and you have the Spirit in your life. And so that's the role of the Holy Spirit in what we call the church age, is that we're brought into the church, into the body of Christ, and we then operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just as we were talking, we, we live out of that fullness every day. Yeah, and something that I really like that Pastor Ryan said in his sermon, I think it might have been the very first sermon in Acts um, in this mm -hmm. uh, series. And he said that you are completely indwelt by the Holy Spirit once, but like baptized in the Holy Spirit once, that is, but you are refilled constantly with yes. the Holy Spirit. Because, yep. I mean, we're human beings and we have a limit. You know, we're going to run out of fuel eventually, just like a car. But the car still has its engine, whether it has fuel in it or not. So you just got to refill it and put gas in the tank. You know, it's the same thing where we've got to be refilled by the Holy Spirit just to keep us going, keep us encouraged. And, and one, way, one great way to do that is through meditating on God's Word, reading it and, and understanding it and Trying to focus in on that and spend time in the Word is a great way to be refilled. Amen. And all the different spiritual practices that God invites us to utilize in our lives, mm -hmm. the community of faith, brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us and speak truth to us, prayer, just coming to God and crying out, God, help me. I need help on this day. And other ways that we pray and fast and we Come, upon, come before God and worship Him, and we're in the Word, and all these things then are part of that process of responding to the leading power of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual practices. I like that phrase. So if somebody asks me if I'm religious, I'm going to tell them, no, I'm a, I'm a spiritual practicer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it might scare them off. <laughs> well, hopefully it uh, produces some intrigue and some interest. Yes. But. Who knows? People <laughs> respond in lots of different ways, and we just we love them no matter. How Absolutely, that's yeah. right. All right, uh, that's what I got for you today. And so, thanks for listening in, and we'll be back on track with some regular podcasts. I know Pastor Ryan's working on some here related to family. I'm going to do a few, and we've got some new ones that. Daniel and Ben are going to be starting in a little while here. Yeah. We're kind of working on that, but uh, yeah. 
we'll let you guys know what's going on. Exciting times here at New Hope Church. Amen. (laughs) Good deal. Thanks, everybody. God bless.